Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. All right. We are in our second week of our series on the book of Jonah that we've entitled The Book of Jonah. And uh, we're going through the, the book of Jonah week by week, and I didn't want to get too creative with it. I just wanted to make sure you knew what we were talking about. And week one, it was you can run, but you can't hide. You can run from God. How many of you would say, I've run from God in my life different times. I've made decisions in my life to run from God. Jonah gives us a great picture of someone who is running, literally running from God. Sometimes we ask the question, why, why am I running from God? Why am I doing this? I'd encourage you before you ask that question, maybe say, what am I running towards instead of God? Because Jonah was running towards comfort instead of God, towards the easier thing to do. Uh, We also try to run from God in in our actions. Now, maybe we say all the right things, maybe we're claiming the right things, but there's a contradiction between what we say and what we do. And maybe we run from God and how we choose to rely on ourselves before we rely on God. Today we're going to continue in the book of Jonah. If you remember, chapter 1 ends with Jonah being swallowed up by this great fish. And I want to reread that last verse of chapter 1. Jonah 1.17 says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now I want to pause here for a second because a lot of times we just kind of take these stories for granted without acknowledging how absurd, how unusual, how miraculous this is, okay? A fish has swallowed up a human but kept them alive. This might be one of the most underrated miracles that God has ever performed. Sure, it's really flashy that Jesus could turn the water into wine, but can you imagine swallowing up a human, preserving him, and transporting him in a fish, keeping him alive? I mean, it it takes faith to believe the Bible, right? It takes faith to believe these stories in the Bible. And uh, actually, I was looking, and I I found there's one other story that I found of a person who was swallowed up by a fish and remained alive. There was a story of a whaler named James Bartley, who in 1891 reportedly fell into the sea while he was attempting to harpoon a large whale. And when the whale was killed and dissected, they found Bartley in the whale's stomach, unconscious, but alive. And there's some, there's some questions, there's some you know, uh, evidence back and forth on whether that's true or not, but we do know the story of Jonah is true. Why? Two reasons. Number one, we believe all Bible, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is all true, right? And secondly, even more important, or not more important, uh, same importance, Jesus himself says it. If you look at Matthew chapter 12, it says, Jesus said, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. He references this in his life. There's a a parallel there of the three days and three nights that later Jesus, it would be three days from his death, his crucifixion, to his resurrection. But imagine with me for a moment, Jonah being stuck inside a whale. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine the smell Imagine there's, there's no food, or if there is food in there, you don't really want to eat it. Imagine very little oxygen. Imagine the darkness. It is in this darkness 
literal darkness, but also an emotional darkness, uh, the loneliness that Jonah, he finally turns to God in prayer. This morning, we're going to talk about where do we turn in the darkness, in our moments of hitting rock bottom. Jonah has literally hit rock bottom, right? He's the lowest point on the earth, in the, in the sea, in the depths of the sea. Today, we look at where do we turn in the darkness? The title of today's message, I took it from a source very important to me, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, Hello, darkness, my whale friend. Um, thank you. Thank you. What does darkness, what does the rock bottom look like for you? You know, maybe you've experienced loss in your life, loss of a, of a friend or a family member. Maybe you've, maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've experienced trauma or abuse. I'm sure some of you come in here with, with terrible stories, horrible things that have happened to you. How can we make it back from the darkness back to the light? My three points are going to actually be three questions. Three questions that I want to ask you in handling the darkness. Jonah was inside this fish for three days. And then this is what he does. Let's read the first two verses of chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Now remember, chapter 1 ends with saying Jonah was in the belly for, of the whale for three days and three nights. And chapter 2 starts with saying, then Jonah prayed. There is speculation that Jonah did not begin to pray to God until after being in the whale for three days. It's amazing to me that if that's possible, and, and friends, we don't have eyewitnesses. We don't know for sure. We're trying to draw all the conclusions we can from the Bible. And if I do anything right here on a Sunday morning, it would be to encourage you to go read these stories, to read the Bible for yourself. I'm doing the best I can, but if I'm encouraging you to read the Bible and for God to speak to you, I am doing the best thing that I can because this is life for you. Thank you, Rosemary. Someone is awake here. It says, then Jonah prayed to God from the fish. And then verse 2, it summarizes Jonah's prayer. Jonah calls to God because of distress, and God answers him. God answers, and he hears Jonah. So verses 3 through 6 are Jonah calling for help. And then verses 6 through 10 is Jonah as God responds to Jonah. Let's read what Jonah prays first. Read with me verses 3 through 6a. It says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah acknowledges here first that it was God who has sent him to the deep. Remember, God caused the storm in chapter 1. God brought that fish. It says he appointed a fish to come and take Jonah. It says, you've caused the waves to roll over me. Then he says something interesting. 
He says, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. I'm driven away, yet I will look again at your holy temple. The first question I have for you today as we look at the darkness and how to, to move from darkness to light is, number one, can you allow God to light the way? Can you allow God? It's a simple question, but sometimes when we're in the darkness, we stay where we are. We're, we're afraid to call out. We're afraid to, to make a motion, to, to take action. That separation, that, that feeling from God, being further from God, can actually, if we allow it, can ignite a fresh desire to draw closer to God. When it says, Jonah looked upon your temple, what he means by that, he's referring to the temple where God would speak to his people. Remember, this is the Old Testament still. God was thought to live in the temple. His presence was thought to, to be in the temple. So I ask you today, can, can the darkness or the bad things that we go through, can they give us a new yearning, a fresh desire to draw closer to him? Think about disciplining a child. All right, you, you give them something that they don't want, but you're giving something that they need, right? You give them a timeout because they need to take a moment and calm down. You might give them a spanking if they are acting way out of behavior, if they, they are in tr being trouble right now. You, you, might, uh, you might ground them from something. The child might, at first, when you do that, they typically aren't excited about that, right? They're not happy to receive that discipline. A child does not immediately recognize their need for discipline, right? They, they don't say, you're correct, mother. I did not take into account that the excessive viewing of cinema would be detriment to my creativity and my brain development. I will reduce my intake and transfer that time to something productive like reading instead. That's probably not how they respond, right? No, no, what happens? They may, they may throw a fit, they may get upset. The child doesn't immediately recognize their need for discipline. They seek out that confirmation over time. They become clear, and you as a parent, we're not supposed to discipline in anger, right? You discipline them because you love them, because you want to see them develop it and become more mature as a person. Discipline can actually create closeness in the areas where we struggle. That, that darkness that we dealt with can cause us to actually yearn for the light. I think about how discipline can cause us to desire a closer bond. And I'm, I'm thankful that my parents, they would discipline me and show me right from wrong. I'm thankful that I didn't always get what I wanted, but my parents made sure I got what I needed. Again, not always thankful in the moment. I didn't need to have every video game imaginable. I didn't need to eat 10 pieces of candy and call that my dinner. Right? I didn't need to watch those movies that would later give me nightmares. I needed to do homework and, and practice piano and not things I wanted to do, but I needed to do. And, and later, as I matured and became an adult, I became thankful for these things that my parents had instilled in me. Sometimes when we run away from God and we choose to disobey and we choose to go towards the darkness being further away from them through that discipline, you realize, oh, I actually miss that correction. I actually need that in my life. 
It's funny, when Shanna and I first got married and we're figuring out, you know, how to live life together and live on our own from our parents and everything, we didn't figure out meal plans right away. And we realized over time, you know, maybe a DiGiorno pizza should not be part of our regular diets. Maybe every week, maybe that's a little excessive. Maybe we should put some more vegetables in our, in our meal planning. At first we didn't think that, but then after time we realized that it's probably not the healthiest thing for us, right? It takes time. And the point I'm getting is not getting your way of but trusting God to discipline you and tell you what you need instead of what you want. It actually draws you closer to him. Jonah says that it was a bleak situation. He says the waters closed in. The deep surrounded him. Basically, he's saying the earth is above me and hell is right below me. That's why he says in verse 6, he says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. The bars he's referring to, those are the gates of hell. He's saying, I am near to the gates of hell. But then let's read the second part of verse 6. It says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, and what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Notice there's a big change from 3 to 6 to verses 6 through 10 or through 9. Here is the turning point in Jonah's prayer. And it's what I hope that you can pray in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your crisis. Can you say, even when it's difficult, even though I feel like things are closing in and I'm, I'm close to giving up, I'm close to surrendering, even then, can I say, God, you will bring me back from this? Where is Jonah when it says that he has brought my life from the pit? Where is he at? He's not in the ship. He's not at home. He's not at Tarshish. He's not at Nineveh. No, he is still in the belly of the whale. He is still in the darkness. He is still gasping for oxygen. He is still on the brink of imminent death, but yet he has the faith to say, God, you will deliver me. My second question to you today is, can you have the faith to pray? Can you muster the faith within you to believe in your struggle, knowing that the present situation that you're in is not the end of your life? Your present and your future can look very different. It's not going to keep you down forever. There's a next chapter to your life. And if there's still faith in you, then there's still a fight in you. Look at how Jonah contrasts his situation with what he's believing for in those verses. He says, I went down close to the gates of hell, but you resurrected my life from the pit. My life was fading away, but I remembered God, and I know my prayer will reach you. Others can call out to false gods, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Can you have thanksgiving? Can you have a voice of thanksgiving? Can you bring an offering of praise to God even when things are tough? It's easy to be thankful when things are going well. It's easy to give God praise when we get a promotion at work. Can you give God praise when you get let go? 
It's easy to praise God when your children are healthy and successful. Can you still praise God when they are sick and they're struggling? That is a test of faith. And thanksgiving in difficult times, in difficult situations, it costs us something. It talks about bringing an offering. When the people would bring an offering before the Lord in the Old Testament... They were bringing their grains and their livestock and they were offering it to God. And they were saying these things, while I could use them for our consumption to to provide for our family, I could use them to sell and use that money for the profits. I'm going to give it first to you. They didn't give the worst that they had, right? They didn't give the, 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 the last portion, the worst portion, the small shriveled up portion. No, they gave their first and their best to God. Thanksgiving is saying, I'm going to give my best to you even when my situation, even though it might cost me something in this moment. In the moments of darkness, you can never give that type of same offering of praise to God that you can give later when things are going well. To worship when we don't see it. To believe when the situation looks bleak. Thanksgiving is thanking him for what he's done and it's believing and what he will do next. Are you with me this morning? Is this, is this preaching to anybody? Jonah believed, and not only does he have faith, but notice it says he has a contrite heart. And this is one of the most challenging passages because we're trying to figure out what is Jonah thinking. His actions are one thing, but what, what are his thoughts? What is he thinking at the time? And at first when I looked at this, I said, I don't see Jonah repenting. I don't see anywhere where he says, I'm sorry, forgive me. But it does say he gives an offering. He makes a sacrifice. That was his way of repenting. And it says, I will pay what I vowed. I will do what you told me to do. And then he ends his prayer with saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. Notice, he mentions in verse 8, he says, pay regards to vain idols. Others may do that. He might have been referencing the sailors that were in chapter 1, who they were praying to their false gods, their, their family gods, while Jonah was praying to his God. It's funny to me because we see that difference of the Old Testament and praying to deities and small g gods. But then Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord. The way the verse looks up there, it may not be in all caps, but in your Bible, anytime in the Old Testament that you see LORD in all caps, that is not talking about some generic term for God or Savior or Master. No, that means the only true God, Yahweh. So what Jonah is saying is, yes, others believe in other gods. They believe in other things to keep them sustained, but we believe in the one true God. I know that salvation belongs to him. And notice Jonah has has prayed and believed all these things. And at the end of his prayer, nothing's happened, actually. Nothing physically in his circumstance has changed. But praying with faith, it has to start by changing us before changing our situation. Faith starts by changing us, and it can change the people around us when they see our faith in the middle of the darkness. I've been reading a book recently called The Vile and the Splendor, and it's the story of Winston Churchill's life. He's a man that had faith in the middle of crisis. 
I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with his speech on the last day of the evacuation of Dunkirk. He said that wars are not won by evacuations. But then he said with great confidence, we shall fight in France, we shall fight on the seas and oceans, we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. And the house roared its approval. And it's funny, because in this book it mentions that then Churchill turned and muttered to a colleague, he says, and we'll fight with the butt end of a broken bottle because that's all we've got. One of the young men in attendance that day who would be, become a well-known journalist and broadcaster, he said, when we heard it, we knew in an instant that everything would be all right. In that moment, had the people of Great Britain, had their situation changed? No. They were still in great threat. There was still great fear of the attacks of Germany. Think about fear that we go through. We go through some difficult things. Don't get me wrong. These people were all given gas masks so that at any point they would put them on if there was gas in the air from a fear of being bombed. They, they would paint their, their mailboxes with a certain um, filaments or, or something that would allow it so that if gas was in the air, the color of their mailbox would change and they would know to put those gas masks on. Talk about incredible, daily, constant fear. But yet in that moment, as Winston Churchill spoke, the people grew in confidence that they knew everything was going to be all right. Why? Because they had faith because of what had been spoken. What you speak over your life, what you speak around the, over the people around you can either cause faith or can cause fear. And look what happens when Jonah, when he repents with a sacrifice to God, when he vows to do what God asks him to do, and he declares salvation belongs to Yahweh. Think about Winston Churchill. They had faith in, in a man. How much more should we have faith in a God that we know salvation belongs to him? Jonah prayed and had faith, even though in that moment nothing changed in his situation. But let's see what happens next. Let's read the last verse of Jonah chapter 2. It says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I just love the descriptive language. <laughs> vomited Jonah out. Don't, don't think about that too hard, you know. Don't think about what that would look like and what that would smell like and but sometimes, you know, sometimes God has to get us out of ugly things in an ugly way. Sometimes we choose the hard way of getting into God's will. And God pulls out Jonah and he speaks to him. Read the first four verses of, of chapter 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's funny that here at the beginning of chapter 3, we're actually right 
back at the beginning of how this book started. Jonah chapter 1 and chapter 3 start in almost the same way. God gives Jonah a second chance. And after taking an extensive detour to get to Nineveh, as sometimes we choose to learn lessons the hard way, but notice here there's, there's one small difference between chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 3, verse 2. This time, instead of God saying, call out against the city for their evil that has come before me, this time he says, God says, call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, some scholars, some commentaries think different things. They think that God was giving a step-by-step process to, give, to make things easier on Jonah. Sometimes God only gives us one step, one, one part of the picture, because if he shows us too much, we might be afraid to move forward. I think what God is doing is he's making it very sure. He, he's being very careful to make sure that Jonah knows that he will be with him through this journey through this hard thing. Remember, Jonah is being instructed to go to the Assyrian people of Nineveh. The Assyrians are brutal people. They would kill you. No, no, that'd be too easy. They will torture you and dismantle you, and then they will kill you. Brutal violence. You think that because Jonah has been vomited out of a fish, and now he's in an ideal, envious situation? I think it'd be worse in the Assyrian people than it would be in the fish. I think I'd rather go back to the fish. It's interesting to me that Jonah actually goes from a place of physical, personal loneliness and darkness to an environment of spiritual darkness. It might have been safer in the fish than in front of the Assyrians. And the last question I have for you today is can you take action today? Can you take action today? Surrendering to God is one thing. Submitting and believing and have faith for him to move when you're by yourself is one thing. But can you have faith to take action today right in the middle of the darkness that you're in? Jonah is now putting his life on the line, speaking out against the wickedness of this city. And it says that Nineveh was was a massive city, right? It would take you three days to walk through the entirety of that city. And Jonah, he goes, it says he goes a day's worth in. And he calls out. I don't know about you, but I'd probably step like one foot into the city and be like, repent, and then run the other way. He goes a day's worth into the city. And in the middle of the city, in the heart of the city, he calls out and says, you've got 40 days until this city is taken down. When we go through difficult times and lonely times, there are times that we're just surviving the darkness, right? We're just holding on to God. And that's okay. But there are other times where we have to be able to pick ourselves back up and be willing to take action today. There are times when you can just survive, but there are times that we have to move forward and take action before we see anything change in our physical, before we see anything change in our situation, be willing to take a next step. Losing your job is tough, but at some point you gotta get back out there and interview for another job. You gotta network, you gotta connect with people. 
getting hurt by a relationship, that, that can be damaging, but that doesn't mean that you never try again. That doesn't mean that you never trust people again, right? Staying down puts, the, puts you right where the enemy wants you. Isolated and defeated. You can't just say, I have faith in the darkness. Your faith has to lead to action. You and I, we live in spiritual darkness in this world, and we are called to be salt and light. I can't imagine what it must have felt like for Jonah to be alone and surrounded, literally surrounded by people who have a reputation for violence and torture, and be told for him to go warn them of their impending doom. But look at what happens in response to Jonah's cry. The last verse today, verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. God desires to partner with us, not only, not only to break us out of the, the darkness, but to heal and deliver others as well. The action that you take in the darkness can not only bless you, but it's actually meant to affect the others that are around you. Imagine, because of Jonah's eventual obedience, an entire nation believed in God. An entire nation humbled themselves and repented before God because of one person, one person being willing to take action. Emma, can you come up and play as we close? This was a city, a great city, of wickedness. But Jonah used the word overthrown. Overthrow the city. This is the same word, the same phrase that was meant and used with Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe you know the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were, they were destroyed they were because of the evil in that city. And God is saying, in 40 days, I will overthrow Nineveh. But I want to point something out to you. Because we see that the people repent and the city is not destroyed. And some people have taken that to say, well, does that mean that God is not a God of his word and that he changed his mind? No, God doesn't change his mind. What he says is always true. But that word overthrow that Jonah used from God can also mean to overturn. It can mean that the people of Nineveh had a choice to either overturn to God or be overthrown by God. Because God always keeps his word. And because Jonah brings God's word of warning, the people choose to turn over to God and repent. And the only way that happens is by taking action in the darkness. Let me ask you this morning, will you take action to see your family overturned to God? Will you take action to see your workplace overturned to God? Will you take action to see the city of Marysville overturned to God? Will you take action to make sure every thought, every word, every action of yourself is in your life overturned to God? Only God can take us from a moment of darkness and defeat to maybe, just maybe, our greatest triumph through Him. 
but it takes a willingness to cry out and to pray to God and to take action. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? This morning, I hope that you remember that in your crisis, in your darkness, whether it's a situation that you caused or not, in Jonah's situation, he kind of caused this, right? He chose to disobey. He chose to run from God. Some things that you go through in life is not because of something that you've done wrong. But yet God can take anything that you go through in life, anything of the darkness, and turn it for good. Reminds me of the story of Joseph, a young man who was sold into slavery by his brothers, a man that was working hard, and yet he was thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Joseph didn't deserve any of those things. But at the end of the story, he became delivered out of prison and put in a place to protect the, the city during seven years of famine. And at the end of the book, maybe you remember this verse, it says, what the enemy intended for evil, God meant it for good. The darkness that you're going through, it could actually turn into a moment of light for someone else. Are you willing to take action? Are you willing to have a difficult conversation with a family member or a friend or a coworker to say, I know you're going through some difficult things. Let me share, let me be honest with you some things that I've gone through. And to tell you that I would not be here, I would not be in the life and the, the mental state that I am if it weren't for the saving power of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can take your darkness and turn it into light. He turns our mourning into dancing. He turns our sorrow into joy. That is what our God does. As we close, would you bow your heads? I just want to say a prayer over you. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Matt, I'm going through something dark. I'm going through something that is a struggle that it's, dare I say, tormenting me. And instead of continuing to move forward, I've just sat down and been stuck in this place. I'm not here to embarrass you, but if that's you, I want to keep you in mind as we pray. Would you, would you lift your hand up and say, Matt, I need prayer to keep going in the darkness. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. If you're here today and you said, Matt, I know I need to keep moving. I've been praying on my own. Me and God are good, but I'm struggling to take an action step in my walk with God. There's somebody I know I need to talk to. There's something I know I need to change in my life. I haven't been willing to do that. I haven't been ready to do that, but I want to today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Church, let's pray together this morning in faith that we serve a God who takes us from darkness to light. God, I pray right now for those who are dealing with terrible things, struggles, hurts in their life. We know that you can turn everything around, that you can turn what the enemy has intended for evil, what the enemy is meant to isolate us with and, and accuse us with. You are bringing us into joy and into light, and we trust in you. We trust your words for our life, not what the enemy says to us. I pray, would you deliver your people from darkness this morning? Would you deliver your people from the hurt, from the anxiety, from the fear? Would you be the great deliverer, the great healer that we know that you are this morning? 
And God, I thank you for those that have been calling out to you and having faith to believe. But there's a next step. There's always a next step with you, God. And today I pray, would you help us? Help us to get the courage and the strength to speak what you tell us, to believe what you tell us, to do what you command us to do. We know that anytime you discipline us, it is always for our best. And so that we become the best version of ourselves, more like Jesus every day. We pray a blessing over your people. We ask for your kingdom to come here to earth, come to Marysville. We want to be more like you, Jesus. It's in the powerful, holy, precious name of Jesus that we pray all these things. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.